Well, hello there, friends. Welcome to another episode of Walking Our Path with Casper, me, Casper <laughs> van der Meulen at Casper's Focus. I'm so excited to have you here with me. Hopefully you're out doing something active, you're doing something useful, because that's the point of this podcast. I'm out on a walk, sharing my best ideas, my stories, the things that I've learned, and I invite you to go on this walk with me. Or maybe you want to do something else useful, like whatever, wipe your windows or wash your laundry or whatever it is that you love to do while you're listening to a podcast, as long as we're doing something useful, which is not looking at a screen. Now, in this episode, I would like to talk to you a little bit about navigating the emotional landscape. And I'll share with you an analogy about this emotional landscape. Um, but first, I want to share with you uh, some experiences that I've had in the last year that have really taught me so much about what it is to open yourself up to the darker, scarier, less, or at least deemed to be less lovable parts of ourselves, and then to simply let them flow and process them. And the reason that I've seen a lot of this um, in the last years is because this is the work that I do. You know, I guide processes of transformation, of opening, of vulnerable moments, um, and I help people open themselves up to the sides of themselves that they have deemed unlovable or unworthy or too dark to handle with. And then we facilitate processes where they can release this and they can gain a new perspective. Because I used to focus on lifestyle optimization. This is when, like seven years ago, eight years ago, when I first wrote my book, MindLift, it was all about optimize your sleep and your nutrition and your breathing and your movement and do all of these things. And then what I started to realize actually is that we all have these parts in ourselves that are dark, that are in the shadows, that we don't really want to look at, that are sometimes even trauma um, or really heavy things that we've been through in our life. And we have, you know, decided that we shouldn't feel these things. We have learned that these parts of ourselves are unlovable. And these are really the blockages, the inhibitions that keep us from effortlessly living this optimized life. So pretty early on in my work, I started to focus on finding the deeper layers and helping people open themselves up to these deeper layers so that they could process them, release them, heal them, however you want to call it. Um, and from there, find it much more fun, much more effortless to actually start to optimize their lifestyle. So one example that I'll share for myself is actually that um, when I was in really bad shape and I was, you know, 35 kilos overweight and I was smoking and drinking a lot of alcohol and, you know, addicted to video games, all this stuff, right? Long story, but the point is that I tried to quit smoking, right? I tried to quit this, uh, this habit, which seems like a very simple thing. Like all you need to do is not put the damn cigarette in your mouth, basically, you know, it's that simple, but I couldn't do it. And I tried so many different things to quit smoking and also to lose weight, for example. And, um, Nothing really worked, and at some point I went to work with a, a hypnotherapist, actually, who taught me uh, self-hypnosis and taught me about, to meditate, basically, and to gain this observer perspective towards myself, towards my inner world. And the, the long and short of it is that I started to work with these methods of just allowing whatever was inside of me to slowly come up and to instead of to run away for them, from them or to escape them or to numb them, to just observe them and to watch them how they move through my body. And this was the first step that I took towards really opening myself towards everything that was inside of me and allowing the darker, scarier parts of myself to just kind of be there and move through me. 
And this was the first big step that I took uh, towards opening my heart, living from intuition, uh, being more in touch with my feelings. And interestingly, about two months later, after not trying to lose weight or not trying to quit smoking, suddenly I found that I was smoking way less. I suddenly found that um, I had lost some weight and this was effortless, right? So this is really the point. This was my first moment of learning that dealing with the inner world, dancing with the shadows, releasing some of the bigger core uh, inhibitions and fears and insecurities will usually inevitably lead to living a better life. What I've also found that a lot of the people who are, you know, biohacking themselves into oblivion, optimizing every minute of their day, a lot of them are actually not doing it to live their most free and joyful life. A lot of them are doing it to actually escape the scarier, darker things that live inside of them, right? So always optimizing, always being perfect, uh, just to not feel the pain and the grief or the sadness or the darkness that they carry inside of them from their past. Right, so that was a very important insight. And now, one thing, uh, so this was one of my own, my, my own kind of parts of this process, but there are many. I could fill <laughs> 10 podcasts with just my own stories of getting in touch with my heart and living from, from a place of feeling and allowing my emotions to flow. But it's really about this core concept, right? So everybody has these things living inside of them that are usually stored very subconsciously in our body, in the darker places. There's parts of ourselves that we don't love. There's uh, trauma that we haven't really looked at since the bad thing happened. There's grief, there's sadness, there's trauma. Um, all of these things, they keep living inside of us because most of us have learned that these shouldn't be shared, that these shouldn't be opened that these shouldn't move. We should actually live a life where we control as many of the variables as possible so that we don't run in to the difficult parts of life. Now, I believe this is a massive fallacy and this is keeping us from living a life of full purpose and joy and potential and all the stuff that we want. So in the last year, um, I started working more with uh, psychedelics, right? It's with entheogens, with medicine, as they say, plant medicine. And in the last seven or eight years, I've worked a lot with very intense modalities that really help to bring up these darker, deeper layers very quickly. One of them is uh, extreme cold exposure. One of them is deep breath work. These are two extremely powerful modalities. There's a whole host of other modalities that I've worked with. And then more uh, recently, so I've also started working with uh, the psychedelic medicines, uh, like for example, the psilocybin truffle, which is legal in the Netherlands where I live. And... This has taught me even more about facilitating these opening processes where things are just allowed to flow. And so here, here's the thing that I've seen. Here's a pattern that I've seen. This is really one I wanted to share in this episode. So many times in the last year, but you know, especially in the last seven or eight years, I have seen people um, go into an altered state of consciousness, right? So different mode of being where they would feel safe enough to allow themselves to open up to whatever it is that lives inside of them. And very often what would come up is an old piece of grief, of sadness, of anger, unresolved family issues, moments of trauma, uh, you know, moments of boundary violations or feeling physically very unsafe. Uh, and just some, some deep, scary stuff that happens in a human life, you know, um, that has been pushed away for a very long time. 
And there's this analogy that I like to use when I lecture about this, which is uh, pushing down the beach ball. And it's not my analogy. I'm not sure who uh, came up with this one originally, but it's a really good one where there's this 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 image you can make in your mind of being in a pool and having this giant beach ball and pushing the beach ball in the water. And this beach ball is the thing that we don't want to feel, right? So we push away whatever it is that we don't want to feel. And this is actually costing a lot of energy, a lot of effort. It's creating a lot of tension in our system to constantly push this thing away because we believe that if this dark thing, this scary thing, actually pops up to the surface, right? So we release our uh, efforts to push this down. We believe that the, the world is gonna explode into a fiery place, you know? Life as we know it will end. Something really bad will happen if I, you know, cry, if I scream, if I am vulnerable, if I share the story, if I show this side of myself to my loved ones. Like that's the stuff that we believe about these emotions. So all, well, not all, but a lot of what my work has been about is creating a setting that is safe enough for people to release the pressure, the tension, the effort to keep that beach ball down and to simply let it run its course. And then when they do, usually they notice that nothing really bad happens at all. Just the beach ball comes up with a lot of force, there's a lot of splash. It's a spectacular scene, you know, there's crying and there's screaming and there's shivering and convulsing and shaking and all of this really heavy release stuff. And then there's this moment of peace and calm and quiet where it's like, oh man, I've been wasting so much energy my entire life trying to push this beach ball down. <laughs> and now it's just happily floating at the top. I can look at it. I can allow it to float away. I can swim towards it. I can swim away from it. And it's just there. It's out in the open, right? So this is really one beautiful analogy for this process. And I've seen this process happen uh, in so many ways, in so many people and so many versions of it. And I will tell you, this is a little bit maybe confession time moment, that it is one of the most beautiful things that I could see in this world. It is absolutely, magnificently, inspiringly beautiful to be allowed to witness somebody's moment of release, somebody's moment of vulnerability where they finally feel safe enough to allow themselves to bring up whatever needs to be brought up and to heal and process whatever needs to be healed and processed. It is just the most incredible sight to see. And this is the, the crazy thing about this. In so many of these cases during breathwork sessions or even during body work um, that I facilitate or during these um, psychedelic medicine ceremonies, it comes up, people fight and resist until they finally let go, they're released, the beach ball comes up, right? There's crying, there's like tears and snot, <laughs> there's sweating, there's shivering and shaking, there's sometimes like screaming and all this stuff happens. It's very intense. And then afterwards, they tend to apologize. And I'm like, whoa, wait, no, this was the most beautiful thing you could have possibly shared. There's absolutely no reason to apologize. And this is the fascinating thing to me, that people feel like we shouldn't do this. Like it is a burden to lay on somebody else to process what you need to process. While in my work, it is what the work is about, right? Uh, that's the thing. And I always tell them, you did the thing that the whole work is about. You came here to change your life. You came here to gain a new perspective, to heal, to grow, to whatever. And that's what that feels like. It's not pretty. Like, it sounds so cool to be like, I'm going to optimize my life. And I'm going to heal my trauma and I'm going to be free. 
But a lot of times, there's some pretty scary, heavy, dark stuff <laughs> that is between you and the moments of bliss and freedom and joy. And it, the whole point is to release those. And one of the reasons I find it so beautiful is because it's precious. It is so precious to share your tears, your grief, your trauma, your sadness, all of it. It is so precious. And why is it so precious? Because hardly anybody ever do it. And we hardly ever get to witness this in our relationships. Just think about this. Who in your life are you close enough with to have an all-out emotional release? I mean, we, we, even the closest people in our life, people who are supposed to be the closest people in our life, we never witness them experience this. Right? Think about it. If you're, if you're lucky, you'll see your brother, your sister, you know, your significant other uh, go through this. If you're lucky, maybe your parents. But usually the only people that we see in this deepest, deepest vulnerable moments are our children. And because even in most romantic relationships and parent-child relationships, especially when you're grown up, when you're adult, there's, people don't feel a lot of space to be that vulnerable, to be that open. So, and this is why it's so precious, and this is why I'm so grateful to witness this. Now, another reason that I'm sharing this is not just to tell you how beautiful this is and how I believe that this should be a part of everybody's life to find yourself in situations and around people where you feel safe enough to release in this way, and also to watch other people have these releases and these beautiful moments of healing, but also um, to share a little bit about what I believe is necessary for this to happen and how we can navigate situations like this. And this is where my analogy comes in of the emotional landscape. Now, what I've seen a lot in people is that, and also in myself, of course, is that um, we want to feel certain emotions and we don't want to feel others, right? So we want to pick and choose which things we get to feel. There's actually a beautiful quote by Brene Brown, who wrote uh, The Power of Vulnerability. Incredible book, helped me so much on this journey. And uh, the quote is, you can't selectively numb, right? So if you live a life where you numb things out, you can't really choose. So if you're, for example, are numbing sadness, you're automatically also numbing your ability to feel joy, right? So I like to call this an emotional landscape where I say, you know, emotions, are like a landscape and this landscape has peaks and it has valleys and it has scary dark forests and it has you know <laughs> uh, dangerous swamps and it has beautiful views and sunsets and it has you know the the most beautiful flowery meadows but also the darkest scariest woods and everything in between it's all there now you can decide to a degree whether you step into the landscape or not and this is really the big shift that most people make and that I see most people make in this work at some point in their life is where they decide to step into the landscape. But one reason that people decide not to step into the landscape is because you can't choose. You can't step into the landscape and be like, yeah, okay, but I only want the peaks and I only want the sunsets and the starry skies and the beautiful views. I don't want the dark forests. I don't want the detours. I don't want the unexpected cliffs to fall down. I only want the good stuff. That's not really how it works. So stepping into the landscape, the emotional landscape for a lot of people um, 
is not a choice. It's not like they choose like, oh, let me start to feel my emotions right now. Very often, something really big happens, something really intense happens that almost forces them into the landscape. And then a lot of people feel like, oh my God, this is such bad news. I can't stop crying. It's so heavy. There's so much going on, especially in these last years, you know, with COVID times and you know, people are really like the beach ball. <laughs> the beach ball is getting bitter, bigger and bigger. And it's taking more and more effort to keep it pushed down. And then, yeah, a lot of times something happens, some circumstance, some change in a relationship, a divorce or, uh, you know, death of a loved one or loss of a job or just big societal change pushes people into this landscape. And they're like, oh my God, how do I do this? You know, <laughs> how do I deal with this? There is so much to feel and so much to process, so much stuff to come up. And usually it comes together, right? So, and one reason people don't step into the landscape is of course, because they keep themselves busy. They keep themselves active. They keep themselves in a constant mode of operation where they just do the same things every day, try to control as many variables as possible, uh, keep themselves busy, always taking in new information, checking social media, doing more work. And a lot of people are addicted to work and addicted to stress because in these stressful states, you don't feel your emotions as much. And this is one of the functions of the sympathetic nervous system is the sympathetic nervous system allows you to activate, to be alert, to be productive, um, to provide in a lot of survival uh, needs. But it does so by sacrificing your inner awareness. Because just think about it, you know, if you, if you are in a sympathetic state, fight, flight, let's say in a, you know, hunter-gatherer setting, um, you are, uh, you know, running away from a, from a tiger or whatever, uh, or you're chasing a prey. In that moment, it doesn't matter how happy or fulfilled or joyful you feel. Like you, you shouldn't feel anything. You just run, you know, get away from the tiger or get towards your prey. So this is what our one, one thing that our sympathetic nervous system does. So a lot of people, they actually keep themselves in these really highly activated states of being productive, of being busy, being always on the run simply as a tool to not have to feel these deeper, darker, scarier things that live inside of them, which is fascinating, right? So a lot of people, a lot of the most productive and successful people are extremely productive and successful because that's what they need to keep them from feeling the things they don't want to feel. So to keep the, so this is a way of hiding, a way of, of actually running away from what's really inside. These are also the kind of people that if they finally take a break, they finally go on a holiday, you know, take a few weeks off, and then suddenly they feel depressed or their body hurts or they get sick. Well, guess what? This is your parasympathetic system activating and allowing you to finally feel all the things you've been pushing away for so long, right? So there's many reasons and many ways that people um, keep themselves out of that landscape. And sometimes something happens, you know, an external circumstance, that pushes them into it. And sometimes people make a conscious choice to step into the landscape. But once you're in the landscape, usually you don't have a say as to whether the peaks come up or the valleys, especially in the beginning. So that's where navigation comes along. So, so let's, let's get to a bit more of a practical side <laughs> of, this, uh, of this rant. Um, because, so how do we deal with this, right? What do we do when we find ourselves opening up towards these parts that have been hidden, maybe when trauma comes up or when scary memories from childhood or whatever it may be, 
Well, the first and most important thing that I tell people is that your body knows exactly how to do this. We cannot process matters of the heart, um, these deeper, darker layers, from just uh, thought, right? Our head doesn't have a lot to do with that process. We don't need to understand everything in order to be able to let it go or in order to heal it. Actually, a lot of times we just need to let it go without understanding it. But this is very scary to a lot of people. So the first thing is your body knows how to do this. And this means that as soon as that beach ball comes up, as soon as the repressed or suppressed or, you know, forgotten or whatever deeper, darker layer, the memory, the fear, the sadness, the grief, whenever it finally comes up, all we really need to do is hold space. Now, space holding is a huge topic that I can do a whole episode about later, but what it really is about is to be present with it, with as little judgment as possible, and to simply let it run its course, because your body knows how to do that, right? If a cry comes up, let the cry cry the cry, you know? If anger comes up, let the anger release the anger. This is really almost like they've been charged and charged and charged, you know, these parts of us that we don't want to see, they've been charged up the whole time and all they need to do is discharge. All we need to do is let go of this beach ball, allow it to run its course, and then it will be disarmed in a way. Um, but again, you know, this is stepping into the landscape, but not being entirely sure what's going to happen. Sometimes we've pushed away these things like sadness and grief for so long. And uh, actually, people tell me this, this is a quote that I've heard I don't know how many times just this year when people say, but if I allow myself to cry over this, I don't know if I will ever stop, right? That's, that's a deep one. Uh, so there's this fear, this lack of trust in our ability to deal with our own, you know, inner struggles that keeps us from allowing it to flow. While all we need to do is fully, fully allow it to run its course. And at some point the tears will stop. But there's also this idea like, okay, you know what? I'm going to heal my trauma. I have uh, from three in the afternoon to four in the afternoon, right? That's when I'm going to cry. And then, uh, and then I'll get back to life. Well, that's, uh, that's not how it works. If you really want to live a full life, if you want to live, uh, you know, become more whole, to be more in the present, to be more purposeful, to live with more joy, you're going to have to take some time to deal with these things, right? Ram Das, which is a teacher that I've studied from a lot, his, his work, his audio tapes, his books, um, he, he talks about grief and he says, uh, when people say like, how long does it take to grieve? And he goes like, well, however long it takes. And then people say like, I feel like I'm not done grieving. Do you have a way to deal with this? And then he just says, well, go grieve some more. It takes time. This is the thing with the landscape. You know, there's not one uh, route that these things will take that you can be sh sure of. It can't be controlled, can't be contained. The only thing you can do is step into this landscape with full trust and say, I will let it run its course. But also with that, one thing that you can also trust in is that every single time something comes up that you've been resisting to feel for a very long time and you allow yourself to run its course, which means you give it all the space it needs. This is what space holding really means. You give it all the space it needs. You allow it to run its course. You trust that your body can handle this that the cry will cry and the, you know, the energy, the tension will release. Every single time you do this, you have practiced your ability 
to open yourself up to allow it to flow through and out and then another layer is peeled. Right? And that's really all you can do. This is really what navigation is about. Navigation is to take a step and to take another step and to keep trusting that if you keep taking just the next step, that at some point you will find, you know, another perspective. You will get to the peak, you know, you will uh, have the beautiful view. Because um, this is another thing to trust in, another very important factor of this, is that it's all temporary. And if you really sit down and you look at your thoughts and your feelings and your sensations in your body, and this is of course at the center of many, many, many spiritual practices, and meditation and yoga and a lot of these things, is that if you, if you take time to study your thoughts, emotions and sensations, you will find that the, the, one of the most core aspects of these experiences is that they are temporary, right? This too shall pass, <laughs> one of the most powerful almost mantras that you can tell yourself when things get difficult, this too shall pass. And this also includes the good stuff, you know, the peaks will pass, the valleys will pass. But navigating the landscape is about trust, is about knowing that you are built for this, that you are made of, you know, whatever your perspective is on life, whatever your philosophy is, you're, you're made of billions of years of evolution, or you're made by the grand creator, the great spirit, I think, probably a combination of both make most sense but anyway to trust that you are made for this every single emotion every uh, state that you can experience in yourself has a function a very important function right there are no mistakes in nature <laughs> uh, your grief your sadness is not a mistake your trauma your fears your inhibitions um, they are not a mistake the reason that you feel them is because they have a function and this function is, for example, protection, or it is uh, to learn or to grow or whatever perspective you want to give to this. So, yeah, this podcast is really, <laughs> this episode is really almost like an, an homage to this, uh, you know, a tribute to this beautiful process where, uh, you know, this beautiful process that I've witnessed so many times in, in my work and that I've really, really come to appreciate where somebody makes a choice in their life. I want to live better. I want to live differently. I don't want my fears, my doubt, my anxieties keep holding me back. And then for them to realize that in order to do that, they have to go through a change. We cannot plan this change. We cannot uh, schedule out when, which part of your next uh, step in evolution is going to come about. What we can do is surrender. We can trust, but most of all, we can decide that we're going to live differently. <laughs> we just can't decide how we're going to do it. Because as soon as we say, I trust and I surrender and I open myself up, things will start to flow. Things will come up. So more practically, um, how do you go about this? Well, the most important thing in this whole process is safety, right? So the extent to which you feel safe around a facilitator, around a social group, around, you know, a, a group of people gathering in a circle at a retreat or whatever it is, whatever modality you choose. The extent to which you can feel safe around these people or around these circumstances, around this process, will determine the extent to which you can be vulnerable. And if you combine safety and vulnerability, that's 
where the thing really starts to happen. That's where it really starts to flow. That's where you finally feel like I can release this beach ball or whatever analogy you like to choose. I can, you know, fall forward into this landscape of emotion and I can trust that I can process this, right? So find a place where you can be safe, find a facilitator, a coach, a therapist that can hold the space where you feel like anything could, I could basically crap my pants in front of this person and they would still not judge me. <laughs> so think about it in that way, right? That's how you need to think about it. And of course, there might be nobody <laughs> that you feel that comfortable with, which is also okay, but it's a step-by-step -step thing. It's a step-by-step -step thing. All right, so my dear friend, these uh, were my thoughts on uh, this beautiful, precious process of releasing, of opening up, of healing, of processing. I hope this was useful to you. I always love hearing from my listeners. Uh, you know, if anything came up or if you had any insights or if this helped you in any way and if there's anything that you would like me to uh, speak to, another topic, or you have a question that you would like me to deal with on this podcast, then by all means, feel free to uh, send us an email, hello at mindlift.com if you want to check out our uh, coaches certification programs or breathwork certification programs check out breathworkmasterclass.com and uh, thank you so much for listening and wishing you a wonderful day until soon peace out <laughs>